0: I think theology for the clergy. I just believe in Jesus. Certain sure. hermeneutics of eschatology demand an exegetical approach. I think you shouldn't question what you were taught in church. Isn't that blasphemy or something?
1: Welcome, friends. I am Michael Patton, and this is Theology Unplugged. Once again, we're joined with uh, uh, us here in studio, Tim. Yeah. Welcome, Tim. Thank you. Good Good to be here again. Yeah, and and I hope you guys are enjoying the intro music that is uh, retro. We've kind of gone retro back to the original, back when we started this in, I think it was back in 2005. Yeah, wow. We we started it back uh, with uh, Rome and Greg, and we were at Dallas Seminary in the recording studio down in some basement somewhere.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know that recording studio well.
1: Yeah. I had just met Greg uh, a couple of weeks before. Bible.org actually introduced us to Greg, and we had lunch Mm. with him, and that was kind of a You you, you ought to listen to the first broadcast sometime. It was really weird. We weren't really sure Mm. how it was going to go until we got real comfortable with things later on, and we uh, it was uh, interesting. Cool. Well, welcome, everybody, friends. It's good to have you joining us. We are um, Theology Unplugged. This is a ministry of Reclaiming the Mind Ministries. If you're not familiar with Reclaiming the Mind Ministries, please stop by our website and check us out. Reclaiming the Mind Ministries, our main goal is to make theology accessible. It's Mm -hmm. part of the reason for doing Theology Unplugged. It's kind of like trying to sit as a fly on the wall as we discuss and act as if we are pontificating in some sense on theological issues. Whenever really it's just an extension of the conversation we have here at the office sometimes. Mm-hmm. You've been here for a couple of weeks now. Yeah. Here in Oklahoma. Edmond, Oklahoma.
0: Yep, that's right. You're that's getting, my new home.
1: You you, you mentioned to me earlier that uh, you're not looking forward to football season coming up. Well, uh, not because I dislike football,
0: but because I like college football so much, and for so many for several years now, Oklahoma or OU specifically has been uh, a team that I always hope loses. And so now well, that why I'm, is that? What's the, what's the well, problem there? Just uh, I've I've become for several years now. I have been not so much jumping on the bandwagon, but I have been a big... Big University of Florida football fan. Yeah. And so, and it just happened that both of us went to Dallas Seminary, and so did uh, Tim Tebow's uh, sister and brother in law. And so my wife and I got to know them. And so, so through that, I, we actually, at Dallas Seminary, I remember watching his first. Uh, televised on ESPN, high school football game. And so we followed him through five years or so, watched every game of his. So, so OU just became to me a, a, a team that I, I, was hoping that Florida would meet them in the national championship, and they did one year. Yeah, we don't then, want to talk about that. Yeah, so we'll, we'll pass. But on. But anyway, out. but you know, um, we're happy to be in Oklahoma, and so who knows? Maybe I'll be wearing red and white in the next few
1: months. You know, well, we'll try to we'll try to work on that. We can't have everybody be uh, orthodox whenever it comes to theology. But uh, <laughs> here in Oklahoma, you will see that that's about the only thing we have to do. Oh, you so <laughs> well,
0: and uh, the Credo House has three flat screen TVs too, and. So I figure during football season we might be able to put them to use at times. Yeah,
1: we can put uh, one game on each one, but the big screens are there for all of you (laughs) That's great. Okay. Um, Well, let's see here. We are going to be continuing to talk about uh, a controversial topic that we began last week. Hopefully you guys have been able to uh, listen to us there last week and get caught up on what we're talking about. Uh, You can get us on iTunes that's that's really the main place that people access theology unplugged right now we've almost defaulted to that right now i don't know we may deliver it in different ways again sometime but itunes has become such a popular method that Mm -hmm. that's where to find us now subscribe to us though on itunes and you get us downloaded every time that we put one of these podcasts up
0: and the podcast will start looking a little differently in the weeks ahead Do you want to mention that
1: yeah, yeah, we will, uh, pretty soon here. That's what we'll go with. Soon. <laughs> soon. <laughs> we are gonna, uh, have the call-in show. Not sure exactly what day we're gonna do that, but Theology Unplugged, at least I think once a week or, or once every couple of weeks, we will do a call-in show and we'll see how that goes. Whenever Sam Storm starts uh, joining us in May, that will be something that we'll open it up for 30 minutes or so. Maybe we'll do a regular broadcast, and then 30 minutes, a a call-in show. All of those will be recorded as well, so you can get them by download. But now you'll have to know when the live show is going to be in order to... To join us and ask some questions, yeah,
0: and we'll definitely communicate that through through theology unplugged, but then also through our newsletters, and then also through Facebook and Twitter
1: and yep, stuff like that. Yep, so. You'll get you'll get the information whenever we have that available. Now, I am I am really uh, right now on the edge. I just had a Calvin cappuccino, okay, and I think it was double espresso. So I'm kind of shaking a little bit, you know? Do you want me to leave? And I'm getting very excited. Very, very excited. So if I I act a little bit more passionate and more excited than I do, and then if I crash here in about 15 minutes, you'll know why, okay?
0: Well, I had a Luther Latte not too long ago, too. Calvin Cappuccino Luther (laughs)
1: Latte, only place in the world that you can get them is uh, the Credo House in Edmond, Oklahoma. And they're good. And and they're good. And you have to wear an OU T shirt if you come in. (laughs) Okay, let's, let's go ahead and start and jump right back into our topic. Last time we were talking about women in ministry. I said last time, and I stand by this, that I think right now, at least today, that the women in ministry issue is the most controversial topic in theology. Now, whenever I say that, I'm not saying that it is necessarily the one that is, um, n- needs to be the most divisive yeah. or the one that, uh, I think is, uh, Something that should have the most controversy. I'm not saying that,
0: because historically, things like the Trinity and issues around the natures of Christ and things like that—I mean, historically—are the ones that people lost
1: sleep over. And it definitely wasn't women in ministry 500 years ago. Well, it's definitely something that we shouldn't put priority above certain things. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a non-cardinal. That's mm-hmm. where we'd put it. I think that's an important phrase. An important uh, now, what does term that mean? Use when if we say non-cardinal. When if we say cardinal. We're saying that these are the foundational, these are the most important issues in the Christian faith. And like you said, what are the cardinal issues? Well, for me, cardinal issues have to do with the person and work of Christ, Mm -hmm. surrounding who he is and what he did. Mm -hmm. Non-cardinal issues doesn't mean it's not important at all. I mean, we wouldn't be doing this broadcast if we don't think this is important. But non-cardinal issues simply are issues that... um, do not determine, let's just put it this way, do not determine whether or not you're a Christian. Okay. Do not determine whether or not uh, um, we think necessarily you're living a Christian life sometimes. They're just issues that the church has debated over, mm. and uh, I guess I could say there's legitimate debate over them. Okay. There's not legitimate debate, I would say, over whether or not Jesus is God. I mean, you deny that, you deny an essential aspect of Jesus, or of Christianity. Mm-hmm. But when we come to the women in ministry, it is something, you know, I, I remember John Hanna one time said, uh, the dogs of the closest breed fight the hardest. Mm. And, and maybe that's true, I don't know, I've never had two dogs, you know, I do have two dogs close breed. I don't know if they fight the hardest though. You have two dogs now? We have so many dogs. Oh ridiculous. really? We've never talked about this. No, I mean, we've got, um, we've got, We've got sugar, and she's she just had puppies. Okay, um, three puppies. Six months ago, she had five puppies. Six wow. months before that, she had six puppies. Oh my gosh! And so we've got puppies running every. Day. So how many of these puppies do you still have? No, I mean every single time we have them, we have to keep one. It's ridiculous. Okay, and, and they're inside dogs. They're supposed to be, you know. But I've got yeah. all my kids, and everybody loves them. And Christie's the same way. Wow! Oh, this one's so cute. Can we keep it? No, you can't keep it. Well, I'm 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 expressing my complimentary <laughs> headship right. here. Okay, this is going to be an example of how, how how I take the rule, um, and harshly rule here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, every single time she has puppies, you know, this one, this time there's this one. No, you're and, talking about the dog. No, the dog. Right. Okay. I forget what they're called. I mean, they're like. Half poodle, half something else, but they're okay. one of these special breeds that you know. You oh, sell like a lab, Labradoodle? Labradoodle? No. Is that it? No. no. Okay. Okay. I forget what they're. called. Yeah. I, have, I should know. I mean, every time we have them, we go out and sell them for like two hundred and fifty dollars a piece. You know? Wow. And I, I lie. Now, about is this an
0: advertisement here for? Are you going to give your phone number right now for no, people? No, because to... I just said I
1: lie about what they are. So oh, okay. okay. I, I don't even really know what they are <laughs> anymore. You know, but anyway, the they the, every time we have one, they're um. There, there's some one that's unique and cute. Now we've got this one that that both the dogs that have these puppies are white. And this time there's one that is brown, has brown eyes. Hmm. He's just really cute. Wow. And so everybody wants to keep him. Last time we kept a black one. And every time I say, no, we can't keep them because they're inside dogs and nobody potty trains them and nobody does. Well, we promise this time we're going to potty train. I swear. I swear we will. Dad christy what do you think oh we will potty train them. <laughs> yeah. yeah right really so anyway we've got these dogs out there and i put my foot down but then i always take my foot back up you know Cause okay people just keep it up and so we're gonna yeah. have another dog wow well, well, why did i start on the dog because
0: you were t- uh, dr hannah was saying that dogs the of dogs the closest should...
1: breed well anyway that that is kind of the story within christianity dogs of the closest breed fight the hardest and it, it's it's whenever you are very close, you know, you, whenever you're friends with someone, you can get madder at them than you can with someone who you're not friends with, mm. who you don't know. And so whenever you're talking about people that are close in Christianity, such as People who agree on the cardinal issues but disagree upon something like the women in ministry, you get a lot more passion. Yeah. Maybe it's because there's more room for conversation or more opportunity for conversation, Mm -hmm. whereas, you know, we don't talk to people that much that we really don't agree with, you know.
0: Which, and seeing the passion of the conversation has definitely been evident in some of the blog posts that you've done about this issue, and you had to turn off the comments, was it last week, when you got to about 500 comments?
1: Yeah, both of them. I wrote a couple of posts on this, and uh, both of them, I think, uh, got up to 500 comments, had to turn them off twice, then I tried to turn them back on, then have to turn them back off.
0: And that's extreme. I mean, if you go to big websites, CNN.com and different websites, I mean, to see 500 comments on a post is rare. Yeah. And so for it to hit two posts that are about this issue on our website to get 500 comments, I mean, that's showing that, that this is a, a passionate issue in, in Christendom, really.
1: Well, in the history of Reclaiming the Mind, we've only had maybe three that are above this. Yeah. Um, I think one of them was over you know the age of the earth or something like that. Okay. And the other one is over Calvinism. Wow. You know, that that always brings in a lot. As a matter of fact, I got one on Calvinism going on right now. Yeah. Or right. it was going on beforehand. It's kinda of slowed down.
0: Maybe if you do one on how to potty train all your dogs, you'll get a lot of I won't give you nothing. That, nothing. No. Our
1: constituency no. doesn't care, you know. Mm-hmm. I gotta link it to some theological issue and I have not been able to try to do it, <laughs> you know. But whenever we're talking about the women in ministry issue, what we're talking about is really two major camps. We've talked about this last time. You've got complementarians. And you've got egalitarians. Complementarians are those that believe, I I think first, as I said last time, believe that men and women are created differently. And that is an intentional thing by God. Mm -hmm. And that helps us to complement each other in our differences. And so there are some things that women are better at. And there are some things that men are better at. Therefore, what we need to do is to celebrate these differences and help our children and our society to grow up in such a way where these differences are emphasized and nurtured in our society, in our children. Mm-hmm. The egalitarian position, on the other hand, um, does not emphasize on the differences between men and women, but emphasizes on the differences between individuals and okay. so the emphasis would be here that everybody is equal, egalitarian, meaning equal. Everybody is equal, and there, there's not one sex that is necessarily better at something than another, mm. but individuals are different. Therefore, whenever it comes to certain issues, such as women in ministry, headship in the family, we choose according to the individual's giftedness, not according to some preset presupposed understanding of the differences between the sexes okay. complementarians on the other hand would say well there is going to be certain things that men are more gifted at such as leadership in most areas mm-hmm. specifically though leadership in the church and leadership in the home and not only that would they say that they are more gifted at they would say that the bible mandates this mandates men to lead Mandates men to lead in the church and at home. And mandates in these situations, and here's where the the rub comes. Mandates in these situations for women to follow or women to, here's the bad word, real bad word. I'm going to say the S word. Okay. Submit. Okay. And so in these situations. I was thinking of a different S word. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Uh, We're not that unplugged, okay? Um, In these situations, we are going to. Call upon women to submit. Okay. Now that's a hard thing. Yeah. That's the difficulty. Well, when we talked to um, off-air
0: after our last uh, discussion that, in some ways, there is some rightful uh, nervousness for women to submit because of pain that they've experienced in the past, as mm-hmm. well. That there have been men who have been leaders in the church that have just been. Uh, just been dumb <laughs> that have not led in a way that is honoring to God and so when we are saying I know when we say something like women should submit Many women are thinking of a of a middle aged white man and a wife beater out on the front lawn with a baseball bat yelling at somebody to submit to them and or whatever your image is, but basically are thinking of a very very negative image of pain in their lives, and that is definitely not what we're talking about at all. We're not talking about you're submitting in a way that is uh, is harmful to to the female.
1: Yes, and and not only that—that's a good point. But not only that, people, people think of societies where you've got what is called patriarchal societies, yeah. where you have, and that's what sometimes complementarians are called by the opposition. Mm-hmm. The opposition will will, <laughs> will many times skew the their their opponents by using terminology and names that you know really spin it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Egalitarians do that with complementarians by calling it patriarchal. Uh, complementarians do it with egalitarians by calling it feminism or something such as that. Yeah. But whenever we talk about that, I mean, it, it seems to some people, boy, y'all are kind of living in the in the Middle Ages or the olden times or Muslim societies. Yeah. Where you know it's just oppressive towards mm-hmm. women, and so to to think in such a way, you're thinking, God, haven't we graduated as a society beyond those types of things? Yeah. And so it's very hard for people to, to not associate it with the bad things because there are so many bad things, mm-hmm. but the point, you know, the, you know, the issue is, I think from at least a complementarian perspective, um, in which you do
0: just to be clear, you do hold to a complementarian perspective. Y- yes, I do. Especially I mean, if you read your, you know, your blog, you'll see that. But, yeah.
1: Yeah, I I am a complementarian, but I do understand where legalitarians are coming from, you know? I I am very passionate about my complementarian stance. It's a non-cardinal issue, but it doesn't mean I can't be passionate about it. Um, But I do understand where they're coming from. And, And that's part of the reason why I hope, you know, these broadcasts will help people. Understand the issues. You may not end up agreeing with me or with you or with us, and you're complementarian as well. Mm-hmm. We don't have any egalitarians here. Oklahoma doesn't produce egalitarians. You know, you have to go either far east or far west to do mm-hmm. that. Right here in the Bible Belt, we're all, we're <laughs> all good guys. Uh, no,
0: that's not pre- that's not saying that egalitarian are bad people. No, it is, but <laughs> still. <laughs> so uh, Michael and I different differ, differentiate in that view
1: there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we we would understand. Here, here's what we would say is that and this is this is a place where I uniquely agree with egalitarians concerning the um, the um curse and and what happened in the garden. Mm. I would believe that whenever god whenever Adam and Eve fell and God brought about the curse and he said to Eve, "Your desire will be for your husband, but he shall rule over you. I believe that those are birth, both items of the curse, and neither one of them are positive. Mm-hmm. You see, I believe whenever he's talking about ruling over you your desire shall be for your husband." or in or, my understanding of this verse is your desire will be to to uh, usurp his authority uh, and not be able to appreciate your own position. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, his curse, part of the curse that he has and your curse alike, because this is a curse for both of them, is that he will dominate you. He will rule over you. Mm -hmm. And it's not something that we're saying, oh, okay, because of the curse now men are are put in a position of ruling over. That this is saying that because of the curse, men abuse their authority. Okay. He shall dominate you. The word that is used in that particular passage for dominate or for rule over is not a positive one. Mm -hmm. It has negative nuances throughout the entirety of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. It is not a, a leadership. He, he, it's not. He shall lead you. you yeah, know? yeah. It's a. He will dominate you by leading with abuse. Hmm. And so I think that there is a tendency, like you said, yeah. in cultures and within man, to abuse their authority. And you see this throughout all of time. Now, having said that, having said that, because there is a curse upon the complementary structure that God has set up does that automatically mean that it is wrong and that we as a society need to change it? I would say no. It's the same thing with any other sin, full tendency that we have acquired. There is an abuse towards every aspect of who we are. Everything that we do is tainted by sin. And most certainly, the male leadership role has been tainted by sin. So one of the things that we have to do is to encourage men in the church to lead rightly. Yeah. If they abuse their authority, I think that they have lost all ability to lead, and they no longer have that uh, authority. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, and that's I've been looking at First Peter five several times over the last several months, and I love starting verse one. He says, "So and remember, this is Peter." Peter, who probably, we would think, would be given towards maybe saying things when he shouldn't say them and and being a little dominant, perhaps, just based on what we know of Peter and his profession and Mm -hmm. things like that. And Peter himself is writing here saying, So I exhort the elders among you, the leaders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. This is how he tells people to lead starting in verse 2, "Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion but willingly as God would have you." Check out verse 9 here, "nor or not for shameful gain but eagerly not domineering. Mm-hmm. So he just clearly says, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock.
1: Why is it in those situations, in any situation to where you are called to a leadership, there is the opportunity to domineer. There's the temptation. There. Well, because there's power there.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, and when, sometimes when you get a taste of that, you want more of it and you, it takes you in a wrong direction. That's mm-hmm. what I love about first Peter five here saying, when you've seen the sufferings of Christ, the most powerful one emptying himself and and giving himself to people. And then Peter, seeing that, being changed by that, and then Peter is saying don't be domineering lead though i want you to lead mm-hmm. but lead as an example mm-hmm. and you know which i think for for many of for us men who are leading that is a humbling call to us but it's one that we need to courageously step into
1: it is and, and it's something that we cannot simply discount we cannot say and and this is one of the one of the arguments that has been brought up very often is is let me give you a lot of examples of people in the past who have abused their leadership. And they bring up all kinds of examples, all these men that have done it. And they say, well, you know, you don't have that same type of thing going on with women abusing their leadership and And you know i I understand where they're coming from. The problem with that type of reasoning is to say that anything tainted by sin needs to be taken out or mm-hmm. or anything that can be tainted by sin or has been tainted by sin or is commonly tainted by sin needs to be stopped completely or redeemed yeah or, or or i mean they're but they're not talking about a redemption of it they're just saying that this you know because men lead badly, therefore that shows that they're not really. Mm. Uh, better leaders. Yeah. You know, I even show arguments that show that men aren't as good leaders as women, mm. you know, but the point is, is not to say just because it can be tainted, it needs to go out. That's throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Yeah. I uh, just like any more than saying, you know, I've seen all these pastors who have abused their authority and their leadership and taught wrongly. Therefore, I don't think, you know, pastors should be in charge anymore. Mm. And maybe that's not a biblical role anymore. Mm. I think it becomes very emotional you know, to where we set aside what seems to be the teaching of Scripture for our own society's movements, yeah, and our own society's understanding, and it's a lot easier to do that. You know, it's a if you want to go the easy road, go egalitarian. You know, that's that's the easy thing to do because you will find a lot more acceptance today being egalitarian. It doesn't make it right or wrong. I don't want to set anything up like that, but whenever you take a stand for complementarianism. You are going to get quite a bit from inside and outside, quite a bit of, um, quite a bit of fighting going on, and most of it will be against you. Hmm. Um, a, a few of the passages that we have uh, brought up, um, you know, and one of the ones we brought up last time had to do with Peter, and you were reading from Peter earlier, but it talks about husbands. Live with your wives in an understanding way. First Peter 3, 7. As, wh- wh- how are you supposed to understand her? What's the basis for this understanding? How is it that we are to live in an understanding way? It, it says here, as with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman. Grant her honor as a fellow heir of grace so that your prayers may not be hindered. That tells me a couple of things. Once again, it's telling me that it's the tendency of men not to live in an understanding way with women, Mm -hmm. specifically husbands with wives. Why is that? Because as Peter is making this argument, we are fundamentally different. And some people would say, well, that just has to do with weakness and uh, with physicality. I think it does have some to do with that, but that would make no sense of saying in an understanding way. Understanding her has to do with understanding her differences, not just physicality, but live with your wives in mm-hmm. an understanding way. What verse is that real quick for people who are looking it up? It's First uh, Peter 3, 7 and grant her as a fellow heir of grace so that your pray, prayers not, may not be hindered. See, that's a specific command for men that only has application as a leader. Your prayers will be hindered. It doesn't say anything about the wife and their prayers being hindered. I'm not saying they wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying there's very specific difference that Peter is trying to get at here between men and women.
0: Well, and it shows the power of the necessity of living out those differences because it's saying, if you do not live this way your prayers are not going to be answered as well. Which that's uh that's something that no one wants to have over their head, that's for sure.
1: It is, and I think men, men, Christian men out there, you gotta take that seriously. Yeah. I mean you gotta think about that. Think about what it means that your prayers are hindered. Yeah. If you're living in a life right now and you're a husband and you are not living with your wife in an understanding way and you are domineering, you are abusing your authority my goodness, folks, you've just cut off, at least to some degree, your avenue towards God, your mm-hmm. prayers. Mm-hmm. And, and there may be things that have gone wrong with you spiritually. There may be things that have gone wrong with you in your life, whatever that may be. But you need to look first to the way in which you are treating your wife and how you're understanding her. Mm-hmm. And the understanding comes with understanding she is different because it's so frustrating for sexes to try to relate to the other sex. Mm. It's so frustrating because so often we get to the point and we say, well, why can't she just be like this? Why can't she just understand this? This is the way that I am. This is the way that I do think. Whenever really we're called to understand them, mm-hmm. you know, we're called to understand and live with a person, our wife, in, or, or just women in general, in understanding that there are fundamental differences that cause us have to have to adjust to our relationship. And I remember having to learn this the hard way, and it took me so long. And I'm not saying I've learned it completely by any means. I learn it all the time progressively. But I I grew up with three sisters and my mother. My father was kind of distant, so I didn't really have much interaction or anything with him. He was always gone. But my mother and my sisters, and, and they kind of took it upon themselves to to raise me and to teach me. And mo- two of my sisters was older, and they were we were just very involved in each other's lives. But whenever I started getting older, I started recognizing how frustrating it was trying to relate to women. I mean, I was just simply different. I didn't get it. I never could get it. And they were always mad at me. I mean, all the time, something, it was just an ongoing joke. Who's mad at me now? Everybody's mad at me. I'm just no good. I can't do anything right. And uh you know it would be talking to one of my sisters saying, "Yeah, Mom's mad at me again" or, or mm-hmm. "Christy's mad at me again and we haven't talked in a week." Mm-hmm. And I uh, I guess, you know, I'll wait another week and I'll say I'm sorry for who knows what. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't even know what I've done this time. But we we lived in that we were that close to where there was that much friction that could take place. Mm-hmm. And they would get very mad at me for certain things. And I never did understand why people, these girls, all these women, were always getting mad at me. And finally I stopped and I I just realized I don't understand. Hmm. I don't understand. But my job at this point is not to try to get them to understand me, but to try to understand them. And therefore what I have to do is I have to have them walk me. And I remember talking to my sister one time. I remember the exact conversation. It was revolutionary somewhat to me. But I remember saying, listen, Lindsay, I don't understand why you guys keep on getting mad at me. I'm sorry I don't understand. I really am. But you're going to have to take your hand, and you're going to have to walk with me. And you're going to have to let me know what I'm doing wrong. And please don't get mad at me whenever I don't understand immediately that I've done something wrong. Don't get mad and frustrated because you think I should understand Please know that I am willing to walk with you and I'm willing to understand that if you are upset with me for this or that, that there is something that I need to change and there is something I'm doing wrong. But don't get mad because I simply don't understand it because I want to learn. I want to understand. And I remember that point. It was somewhat revolutionary for me and my, my uh, relationship with these women in my life. And they did. They began, as long as I had an openness and willingness to take and walk with them and say, I'm going to change because even though I can say, I'm not doing anything wrong, if you think I'm doing something wrong, then I am. Because that's what a relationship is all about. Hmm. And so therefore, I had them walk with me. And I have to try to do the same thing with my wife all the time. I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't register most of the time. It registers with other women and they all get it, but I don't. Men usually don't get it, but women don't get the same thing with men. We are different. We are fundamentally different. We think differently. We act differently, and that is the foundation of complementarianism. You know, and and really, we're gonna have to stop right here. I know, and and carry this on next time. But that's what I want people to understand: is what the foundation of complementarianism really is. It's not simply we don't want women to pastor. We don't want women to teach. We don't want women to lead in the home. That is not it. Those are applications, specific applications of complementarianism, but they aren't the foundation of complementarianism. Mm -hmm. We'll talk more about this next time, folks. Again, dogs fighting dogs. Okay, But loving each other though loving each other uh, licking each other's wounds <laughs> no, that's not very good <laughs> no, <is it>? that <laughs> yeah, should be edited out but yeah, it won't because yeah. we're unplugged yeah that's alright folks uh, come back next time and uh, bring your dogs we will uh, continue this conversation and um, and uh, hopefully uh, not have any to enlighten each other God bless you guys we'll see you next time
0: you have been listening to Theology Unplugged Visit our iTunes page by searching Theology Unplugged at the iTunes store. All episodes are available as free downloads. These broadcasts are made possible by Reclaiming the Mind Ministries. Reclaiming the Mind Ministries is a listener-supported ministry. If you enjoyed this session or benefited from it in any way, do consider partnering with us. For more information on how to become a ministry partner and for a complete listing of ministry resources, visit our homepage at www.reclaimingthemind.org. Thanks for listening and God bless.